You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the final preseason edition of the Hidden Yardage Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Martin. You can find me on Twitter, X, whatever we're calling it these days, at Sean Martin NFL. And I'm joined not by Mark Lane, who will be back in time for the regular season, of course, but Jess Haney instead to uh, give us a bit of a throwback episode. Jess and I used to cover the Cowboys at a previous outlet, so we'll get into a little bit of that. But, uh, you know, some of the some old timers going to kick it with you for a bit as you hear throughout our BTB network. And, you know, Mark and I have talked about this preseason kind of using it as our preseason too. And, you know, we understand the responsibility of being a Monday. So we almost have two very distinct seasons on this podcast of, you know, what we get to talk about in the off season and some of the fun that we have topic wise to get through the slower parts of the off season. And then the immediate switch and the different hat we have to wear this time of year to be one of your Monday post game reacts and type shows. And so as we've been getting ready for that, I think we've, stretched the full limit of, you know, travel and fitting things in for both of us this preseason. And what a weekend it was for the Cowboys in terms of, you know, uh, having me myself personally fall behind just a little bit as I'm traveling again back east myself. Friday, we get the news of a new quarterback on the roster, none other than former third overall pick to the San Francisco 49ers, Trey Lyons. Already been touched on quite a bit throughout this network and at bloggingtheboys.com but we'll get some thoughts from Jess on that. And then we roll right into Will Greer's final four quarters of preseason football for the Cowboys as he looks to put on tape something that can get him on another roster. Speaking of roster cuts, that is coming up, and we have Jess's 53-man roster projection. And then we'll also get into our Cowboys birthdays at the end and all that. So, Jess, how are you feeling with uh, the preseason fully behind us? In 15 days, we'll get to talk about this team doing it for real and waiting all night for Sunday night when they do it at the Giants. It, it's been a, a, a really interesting August. Um, you know, it, unlike some teams, the Cowboys have really focused on their depth on the guys who are vying for the roster. You know, we have seen little to nothing of the starters throughout the entire preseason. So, um, you know, but I think that's good. This, this is a, this was a 12 and five team, um, coming off of a second round playoff loss and they didn't have a whole lot of turnover. So other than, you know, Brandon Cooks, Stephon Gilmore, a few of those guys, we know who they are. They know who they are. And this is, this preseason was really about figuring out um, your depth and who you, who you want to keep it cut final cuts. There are a couple obvious answers to this, but there's enough fun ones too, where I'm still going to ask it, but who, 
out of the players who we didn't see at all this preseason, you know, Dak Prescott would be included firmly in the easy answer category. But who are you most excited to see against the Giants that we haven't seen at all this preseason? That's been on ice. It could be, of course, Brandon Cook, Stephon Gilmore, Prescott, Tony Pollard. What direction are you kind of going to see? Just a little bit of what this team really could be made of when the games start to count. Yeah, I mean, of course, the new guys, the Cooks, Gilmore and them. Um, really excited to see Michael Gallup, um, to see if he's all the way back uh, the way we hope. Really excited to um, get more of a look at Tyler Smith and his second year, what he could be uh, defensively. Of course, Micah. <laughs> I mean, everything, yeah. <laughs> we've been, everything we've been hearing is like Micah's just ready to be better than ever, which that's a that's a scary thought for opposing quarterbacks. Um, really excited to see more of Damone Clark. Um, so yeah, that, that's probably it. I think with the exciting thing about Parsons is the defensive line has been so stacked that we've still had a chance to evaluate them almost, you know, on the merits of what they're going to bring into a real game this preseason. Of course, the Parsons effect will be noticeable to say the very least and things are going to revolve around that. And we haven't seen Dorrance Armstrong either. And Sam Williams has made the absolute most out of the limited snaps he's seen, but more snaps are coming his way, you know, as early as getting after Daniel Jones and kind of a New York Giants offense. It should actually be a pretty legitimate test for Dan Quinn's defense. But another spot that we haven't really been able to fully evaluate is the secondary, because you mentioned the new guy in Gilmore, and he goes across from Trayvon Diggs, and that leaves all these roster projections really kind of scrambling when it comes to, you know, what do you do around those two star outside corners, everybody you consider for a fringe player better be able to either play special teams or in the slot if they're going to get real snaps. But that's also where, you know, a guy like Deron Bland, who we didn't see much of in the preseason, projects to take another leap and earn quite a bit of snaps. But Kelvin Joseph has made a home there this preseason. Do you think he's done enough to, you know, beat that legitimate player in the slot, cut into Deron Bland's snaps, Israel McClamu's snaps, whoever it may be, and has he done enough to stick on this roster with the blessing of not only Dan Quinn, but you know what John Fossil can use him for on special teams as well? I think Joseph's done enough to at least save his um, roster spot. I don't know that he has risen up the depth chart, but I think that at the very least he might edge out like a C.J. Goodwin, uh, who of course, is a special teams ace, but really doesn't have much value at all on defense. Joseph gives you more value on defense and hopefully can cover the special teams role. Uh, but I mean, you know, I don't I don't think Joseph is even on a tier with Diggs, Gilmore, Bland or Jordan Lewis, for that matter. I think that's your clear top four. And then Mukawamu, Scott, Joseph, those are the guys filling out the depth chart. Good news from. Michael Galkin of Dallas Morning News about Jordan Lewis leading into roster cuts. He reports that the injury front, things are going well recovery-wise for Lewis, feeling good. One of the veterans of the secondary that can create turnovers when he's in the right time and right places. The Cowboys look to be an unprecedented third year in a row atop the league and creating turnovers under Dan Quinn. So that is a good sign for Jordan Lewis and certainly answers any questions about, you know, if he's on the bubble for a roster spot. So we're going to work, you know, our way back up your 53-man roster projection that is available now at bloggingtheboys.com. I'm on vacation. I don't even think I can count to 53 right now. So I'm just going to let all these other BTB writers that, you know, jumped ahead and on and were eager to put up their projections, you know, stand for what they are. So 
if you're unlike me and not on vacation, think you can count and make a foodies projections. There's plenty of them for you at BTB, but Jess has his. So I want to read through the defensive backs that you decided to keep real quick since that's the topic we're on, but then we'll work through, you know, other positions where there's intrigue on who's going to make it or not. So your defensive backs are Trayvon Diggs, Stephon Gilmore. Those are easy, of course. Deron Bland, Jaron Coase, also pretty easy. Moe Koku, Donovan Wilson, Israel McQuamu, Eric Scott, a six-round pick who, you know, some will say hasn't done enough, but hard to make a case to give up on a guy like Eric Scott in Dan Quinn's system. And not only was he a hand-picked, hand-picked draft selection of Quinn, but there's so many other examples, and we'll get to some of them when we go back to looking at this defense, of guys taking huge, you know, year two and year three jumps under Quinn. How do you not be excited about that type of potential from Scott when all I heard throughout training camp was he was, you know, intercepting passes off of Prescott and getting play of the ones and not backing away from that type of competition. Um, Junior Thomas is a great example of what I just talked about as far as taking a jump and he makes it onto your roster. Marquise Bell trying to cut into some of those DeMarvian overzone snaps potentially as your hybrid do-it-all almost Donovan Wilson-esque second-level type player. And then Kelvin Joseph, as we opened with, does make it as well. So that's 11 defensive backs. That definitely feels like a position where maybe you went a little bit heavier than most and you have to pay the price somewhere as far as who you're not keeping. So the next position I want to talk about is offensive tackle. It's been a huge discussion point all offseason, all throughout training camp. I just recently caught up on the replay of the Raiders game and have my own thoughts on it, but we'll start with you. You know, does this team flat out have a problem at tackle? Because I was trying to watch the offensive line closer than I was able to against the Jaguars and the Seahawks, and the Seahawks game kind of got muddied up by injuries and just trying to get out of there, and, you know, this Raiders game would have been the exact same type of feel for it, if not with some of the interesting things going on with Greer and Dak Prescott calling plays, which we'll circle back to. But on this offensive line, I mean, I was trying to watch TJ Bass, who played tackle at Oregon and has stood out as the UDFA enough to make your roster enough to make a lot of rosters projection wise but he looked better at guard and he played guard in this game against the Raiders and did so and then Asim Richards played some guard against the Seahawks and played both but mostly played tackle in this game and I thought he struggled at times and is another guy that projects best at guard which is what they've been saying about him ever since they even drafted him out of North Carolina so we know that they can find collegiate tackles and collegiate guards and play them inside and get the most out of them. But has that led to, you know, a bottleneck effect that they're finally realizing where they have a legitimate problem at tackle because we have another Josh Ball injury that popped up. Matt, well, let's go. You know, feels like he has to be on your roster, but how much trust do you actually have in him playing the meaningful snaps that this team now has ahead of him? What's your level of concern with the tackle death right now? Well, it's definitely high. I mean, if you had to say there was if you ranked the weak spots on this team, offensive line depth would probably be number one consensus for most. Um, I do think that it's somewhat mitigated by the reality that your backup left tackle is Tyler Smith. Uh, So if something does happen to Tyron, Tyler slides left, and then you put in Richards or Bass or some of these other guys at at left guard. Um, So, I mean, that is that I, I mean, we don't know that officially, but that just seems to be what would happen. So you do at least have that move in your back pocket, um, which mitigates somewhat the need for a reliable swing tackle. I, I also, you know, I would feel a lot better about, well, let's go coming in at right tackle than left um, if he makes the team. Um, but even there, 
you know, we've seen Zach Martin play right tackle before. So it could be your your two starting guards are your backup tackles right now, uh, unless they go out and they make a move sometime here in the next week, either trading for or picking up a released player or something like that. And no, Matt Farniak on you. Offensive line projection, you carry nine with Tyron Smith, Tyler Smith, Zach Martin, Tyler Biotis, Terrence Steele, Brock Hoffman, TJ Bass, Asim Richards, and Matt Oletsko. You know, getting the nod over Josh Ball, basically, another injury. With Ball helping out that case for Oletsko, but no, Matt Farniak, who was kind of a player that even myself personally was kind of excited for this offseason, thought there was going to be a real opportunity for him, thought that he could compete for, at the very least, a backup guard spot, and instead... You know, I'm kind of with you. I again, I'm not going to put my name on a formal, written down full roster projection. But you know, if I had to just sit through it right now, I don't know, if, and play, you know, mock coach in the room trying to make these decisions. Yeah, I don't know if I can make a strong of a case for Varniak. Is certainly he was hoping to put on the field for training camp and the preseason, yeah. kind of play yeah, his way into being expendable. Yeah, and that really comes down to the backup center job. Um, where it seems Brock Kaufman has moved ahead of him. So if Farniak was your backup center, then yeah, I'd put him here over Hoffman. But that's what that comes down to. So, um, And I'm just going based on the way the team has used them in the preseason and everything we've heard out of camp. Where do you think Saturday ranks in Will in one of the weirdest days of Will Greer's life? I mean, first of all, it's like you know you're playing your last game with you know this iconic organization of the Cowboys, Jerry World, what have you there. You're, you know you're playing your last game. It's like, oh, your play call is going to be QB1. Okay, that's kind of weird. That's probably never happened in Greer's career before. Your play call is going to be you know, a player and not a coach. Your offensive line is what it is as far as, you know, these guys watch the practice tape and the preseason tape, and Greer knows that it was a live, you know, they're, they're kind of doing it live in the terms of who they're trying to figure out out there, and he's not always going to have the best combination. And I know most of your RB1 snaps are going to be, you know, fullback at a North Dakota State, Arnold Upke. A weird Saturday for Will Greer, but he did try to make the most of it as far as, again, this needing to be a game where he could show something another team will pick him up with. And he did play well and use his legs to score some touchdowns. Yeah, you know, and you talk about obviously what he did on the field, uh, stats-wise, all those things were were an outstanding um, resume builder for him. Um, going into this waiver process. Uh, well, I guess for him, he won't be on waivers. He'll just be released. But um, the, th- the thing that you also have to respect is, like you said, the circumstances of it, knowing the situation, knowing the the, the chaos kind of that was going to be around him, um, that showed some mental toughness, which is big for the quarterback position and has to make him even more attractive to potential teams. Like I... I don't think you can you can say that Will Greer isn't one of the 64 best quarterbacks in the NFL. Right. At this point. He's a he's a backup candidate for somebody out there. He was just up he's up against Cooper Rush's experience and longevity with the team and you know that was it. Yeah, between getting another quarterback and of course Trey Lance with you know West Coast experience to be in the room with Dak Prescott now throughout the season. And then also letting him call plays in this game so he can get a feel for, you know, what he's going to like on game days and things like that. You have to love the way that the Cowboys are approaching the new, you know, start to Mike McCarthy's era. You know, something Mark and I have touched on a while back and I've written about it too, that I'm curious to hear if you've, you've kind of, you know, thought the same way and your thoughts on this is the narrative on Kellen Moore's offense 
was, you know, well played out. It's well understood that they would always start the season great, fade throughout the year and not be able to be playing their best football when it mattered the most in the postseason. So the Cowboys took that risk, you know, knowing, yeah, we do want to be playing our best football at the end of the year. At this point, with the roster being as good as good as it is, the only way this team could be defined is by what they do in the playoffs. But they're risking, you know, not being able to almost have a guaranteed strong start to the year like you were under Keller Moore, where you are going to play some tough divisional games right off the bat in prime time against the Giants. So in order to mitigate that, I think they're doing everything they could besides, you know, risking injuries to their main starters on offense by getting them reps in a meaningless preseason. Other than that, doing everything they can to really try to bridge that and get everybody up to speed as quick as possible with some of the unique things we've seen. And I think as unique as it gets is, of course, Harding Prescott called a plays on Saturday. Yeah, I, I just really like um, the approach to things that I'm seeing as far as, you know, all these years. And, you know, it's like Mike McCarthy's been here a while now. It's almost hard to believe. Um, but, you know, all the years that we, we've we been through with Jason Garrett, this team was very formulaic. It was it was very predictable. Not just the play calling, but just the the culture, the dynamics, the way things were done. It just feels like uh, Mike is more creative, and he's more. Um, and I'm not, and that's not. And don't get me wrong. I think I've always maintained. You remember this from our Inside the Star days. I was a Garrett guy. I I always was on the more decided of defending Garrett, and I think he was a better coach than a lot of people now remember him as. But there's just something about Mike that I think opens up the creativity, the um, a little more of just that that energy that you want for a team. It's almost like our team needs to loosen up a little bit to get to the next level. And I think he's bringing that. And tight ends on your roster projection is Oak Sumaker had one of the receiving touchdowns from Will Greer. You know, I called Mark a little bit crazy a couple of weeks ago. It might have been last episode is... He said at some point he sees Shoemaker being the tight end one on this team late in the season. I wasn't ready to go there yet, but you carried four with Shoemaker, of course, making it alongside Jake Ferguson, Peyton Hendershot, and Saw McKean. So what went into you know that decision to also carry McKean, of course? Is it just a blocking aspect and how much they value that and not having uh, Hunter Lupke instead of instead deciding to keep McKean and yeah, what's the ceiling that you see for Sumaker? Because certainly he uh, he took a step on Saturday towards, you know, potentially proving my normal co-host Mark Lane right in that he could be a future tight end one much sooner than we gave him some credit for earlier and still just his first offseason with the team and already having to play through some injury. But, I mean, that was a patented Dak Prescott type play that Prescott himself called up for Will Greer to get out of the pocket, hit the tight end in the flat and uh, turn it into a touchdown there for the rookie out of Michigan. Yeah, you know, I think that to say um, Luke definitely has the potential. I mean, he's he was a second round pick. Um, If you you draft a tight end in the second round and don't think he could start for you one day, then man, that that was a stupid move. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, but Ferguson has a lot to say about that too, and and I think that extra year of experience for Ferguson is going to make it pretty hard. to for for Schoomaker to just completely push him out. I think, you know, at, at the end of the year, if nothing else, we're going to have a, a 1A, 1B situation. Um, 
And as far as keeping uh, McEwen, that was, yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. That really all came down to the role that he would actually fill to where he's more, I think he's more likely to dress on a game day because he gives you a backfield blocker. He gives you special teams, different things. He's your most experienced tight end now of the group. Um, having been here since I think 2020 or 21, either way, he's, he's your most experienced tight end. And, um, he's probably going to be your backfield blocker. That's, I mean, you, you know, Lipke was fun to watch uh, last night, but he's not a blocker as a fullback and that's kind of what you need. So it's all about what's actually, who who's actually going to be able to get on the field. That was a self-proclaimed Jason Garrett guy. Did it kill you to not be able to write a fullback into your final 53 man projection? I mean, that used to be one of the easiest things to do. It's like, oh, I want to go along at this spot or this spot, but make sure you keep one spot open for a fullback. That was just a lock under Garrett, but maybe not so much the case this year. I, I you know, I, I would love to see a fullback uh, resurrection somewhere in some point. But you got to have the right player. Force, forcing a guy on. We the need our John Coon and you know McCarthy's throwback offenses. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, totally. Like I could totally see it. And but at the end of the day, you know, if all if all the guy ends up being is a kind of slow running back, that's not what you need. You need a guy who can be a true fullback. And that's been the knock on Lipke all summer is his blocking. And so I don't think a fullback who can't block is is what you need. I, I mean, he's a guy that it sounds like definitely needs to spend some time on the practice squad, work on those fundamental skills, and then see what you got later in the year or next year. Two other positions I want to look at on your 53 man roster projection, running back being one of them that we're talking about now. So we'll go there next and not only know – uh, Hono Upke, you know, call him a running back, call him a fullback, but he's not on your backfield projection. But Malik Davis, who, you know, kind of like Will Greer, might have been able to read the teal leaves if things are coming to an end after Saturday and played well enough to either show that he's worthy of a practice squad slot. I think he at the very least did that, and the Cubs would love to have him there, or, you know, could get poached onto another team. But you went with Tony Pollard as a starter, Rico Dowdle proving all summer long that he can be RB2 and then everybody's fan favorite, pet cat, what, what have you, out of Kansas State, Deuce Vaughn. So no Malik Davis is a firm you know, statement as far as where they're going with Pollard and Dowdle. Well, to me, the Cowboys made the statement last night that Davis was at the out because Dowdle and Vaughn were benched. So, I mean, last night was all about the guys who, like, who are the guys that they already know they're keeping? They're the ones who didn't play. Yeah, so, that, that's something I've been on for, you know, ever since right. the end of the Seahawks game. I'm like, this game, this next one against the Raiders will be defined more by, you know, who you don't see out there. And, um, yeah, that was proven in a big way of the backfield. Yeah. So, I mean, Davis, you know, I think it'd be great to get keep him on the practice squad. I don't know that – I mean, you have so many practice squad spots now, keeping him and Lipke would be possible. Um, and he'd be a good guy to keep around because, yeah, between Pollard and Dowdle – you do have some injury risk uh, concerns there with both of them, so um, I wouldn't. I would certainly love for Davis to be ready to be called up if needed. Uh, but you also have to remember that um, Turpin, Cavante Turpin's been getting um, carries out of the backfield as well this summer. So you've got you've got plenty of ball carriers, um, especially 
with a an offense that will probably be doing plenty of passing in the West Coast. Jess and I have been covering the Cowboys ever since the days of, you know, Dwayne Harris and Aki Whitehead were the promised bigger role on offense, gadget type receivers. There's finally a real hope of Kevontae Turpin. We've seen it with our own eyes that they can and will use him on offense. So we're not going to get our hopes too high just because we've been doing this too long to know, you know, that we can't uh, get a head, head over heels about Turpin's role in the offense just yet. But after waiting all day for the Sunday game against the Giants, if he makes a big play on the offensive side against the Giants, the hype is going to be uncontrollable. Yeah, it, it is exciting, and, and it cer- certainly helps. If he does, even if it's just purely as a receiver, if he does get to um, move into a larger offensive role, that's why I only kept five receivers on in my projection, is you don't really need a sixth at that point. If you were hanging on to Turpin solely as a returner, then I might have kept six receivers for a Jalen Brooks or uh, Simi Fajoko. But um, now with Turpin looking like he may actually be the fifth receiver in the, on this team, then that allows that allowed me to stop there and use a roster spot somewhere else. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. By Tuesday at 4 p.m., we will know the 53 players the Dallas Cowboys plan on starting their 2023 season with. So, of course, bloggingtheboys.com will be your best spot to follow along with that all throughout your Twitter updates and, you know, what's real, what's not. All of that will be glossed over and, uh, you know, organized in a way where it's just real to the point as we get you ready for the season and what we're going to be doing for you here on the Hidden Yards podcast. So before we go back to another spot on the defense for your projection, you know, we're talking about some big picture things with the offense and mentioning how me and you personally have been doing this for a bit. So big picture, it's a one game sample size, but what do you glean from, you know, Dak Prescott's uh, moonlighting game as a play caller? And I'm asking you this because a very specific commenter and listener of ours has all the experience in the world when it comes to commenting on a previous player turned off as a coordinator for the Cowboys, and that was, of course, none other than Kellen Moore. So Jess and I used to have a very loyal commenter named George who would sing the praises to Kellen Moore no matter what was happening, up, down, best offense in the league, even through his playing days. We had the Kellen Moore discourse every single time he came up on either site we were writing for at the time with George defending Kellen Moore, who went on to be offensive coordinator after his playing days. Do we think Prescott is a good order? follow the same path? You know, what do you think George is thinking about Prescott's performance with calling the plays instead of Mike McCarthy on Saturday? 
I don't think George even watched the game last night. He was probably camped out somewhere in Los Angeles uh, trying to find Kellen. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he's moved on to the uh, – he, he's a pure Bolt nation at this point. Uh, but um, if you foray into Chargers, where they're already kind of going through the you know screenshots of the offense, asking what is this with guys running into the same spot, and they uh, they're going through the full Kellen experience already. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, it, it is funny. Uh, but as far as Prescott's uh, last night, it, I mean, it was really fun to watch. You know, it, it's hard. Again, it's preseason game, and it, it's hard to say. You know, the Raiders were out were not obviously throwing their best stuff out there. And Dak was trying also to make his buddy, Will Greer, look really good, which he obviously did a great job of. Um, So was Dak calling things that you might not have seen in a typical preseason game because, you know, he was trying to take advantage uh, of the Raiders uh, soft play and and really help Greer look good? Probably. so, but as far as just what felt like a balanced in rhythm offense, yeah, I thought I thought the play calling was really nice, and and it was um, a neat experience to get to for him, I'm sure, to get to do that, and um, you know, hopefully that'll pay dividends when he's having to recognize things and maybe call audibles in real games. Yeah, I thought he called things that you know, he's going to like to run. Was using it as his own, you know, sample size too, which was a good vote of confidence on his end in Will Greer, you know, hey, this is what I'm going to like down here, and it's because it's a good arc, but I have the legs to pull this off, or the arm strength, and, you know, thinking that Greer does as well, and he didn't make every throw, but he executed enough to uh, certainly play a good game in his final four quarters with the Cowboys, but hard not to be excited about some of the stuff that Greer did with his legs, knowing that it was Prescott calling in those plays, and knowing that Dak might favor those same things when he's down there in the red zone, hoping that McCarthy will either call it or Dak will even audible to it himself and finally be able to use his legs more as a uh, as a player to, you know to try to really I think make an MVP case this season um, I don't know if I've you know mentioned that on the show before but I think it's pretty clear you know where I stand on projections for this team and the offense and yeah I do think Prescott will firmly be in the MVP discussion so with that let's quickly get to some Cowboys birthdays Mark was kind enough to send over the list even though he's not with us this week so couple players for you just to go down memory lane, if you will. Jay Ratliff turns 42 this week. He is from St. Petersburg, Florida, played for the Cowboys from 2005 to 2012, of course. Joel Looney, who can forget Jumbo Joel Looney and wearing the Ezekiel Elliott jersey and all those fun things from Looney from 2016 to 2020. He was here and he turns 33. Current player, Jordan Lewis, has been with the Cowboys since 2017, and he will turn 28 on Thursday. And then shout out to Mark as well for this one. He always likes to throw in, if he can find one for the week, a New Jersey native, of course. Our longtime listeners know that. And had to go probably you know deeper to the pro football focus archives for this one. Player that was only here for one year in 2006, defensive end, junior glimpse. He is from Hackensack, New Jersey, which is why he makes this list. So, Joel Rooney, Jordan Lewis, Jay Ratliff, certainly some good memories there from Cowboys fans. Definitely. You know, obviously, like Ratliff, his uh, time in Dallas didn't end well with uh, some of the things that happened with the uh, injury, supposed injury kind of kind of looks like he really faked an injury to get out of it, you know, get out of his contract. Also, you know, there was like a lot of questionable stuff that happened there. Um, but what a what a great player he was in his time. Uh, one of the best seventh round picks 
you know, the team's ever had. Um, I also, you know, I, w- I wish we had Joe Looney right now. <laughs> uh, I what, think they're what, good at guard. If he could play tackle, I might take him back. But Yeah, but I mean, to have – that's what the Cowboys are chasing right now. I mean, they're trying to find another Joe Looney who could be your backup, your uh, guard and center, right. a guy – a guy who trusts to play both positions. And it was looking like we mentioned, you mentioned Farniok earlier. He was kind of looking like that guy, but apparently not uh, now. So uh, yeah, we miss him for sure. And um, Jordan Lewis, uh, I'm, I'm excited about the fact that he's not going to be on pup. Um, Cause I think he is a, a much more valuable player as your fourth cornerback or maybe even third cornerback, you know, we, we haven't, that's, that's been one of the tough things this, this preseason is where does the team stand on Deron Bland versus Jordan Lewis? We don't really know because Lewis has been out. So they're almost like your, your three A and three B in a way until we see them and see how the team uses them. And I meant to mention this earlier, but like I said, the Raiders game being defined more by who didn't, who did play and, get the Cowboys food these last meaningless snaps before it counts than who did actually play, you know, defensive line wise to round that off with your projection, another log jam type position. And you hit on, you know, Neville Gallimore and Quentin Bohanna potentially being players that uh, might not make the cut. And they were both out there, you know, late in the game, which is a sign of just that. So your defensive line going into the season, just to, Give it to you real quick is Demarcus Lawrence, Mozzie Smith, Osho Digizua, Sam Williams, Dante Golston, George Armstrong, Dante Fowler, Jonathan Hakins, and Viliami Fahoko, a draft pick in the fourth round this year. So I don't think there's any surprises about who makes it there. It's just more notable who did make it, but it was backed up by what you saw late in the game against Vegas. Yeah, I mean, it, they didn't protect either of those guys. I do, I do, I'm a little concerned about. And I, I struggle with that decision a lot because of just, you know, that really only leaves you Mozzie, um, Osa, and Hankins as true defensive tackles at that point. But I think that we're going to see a lot of Golston uh, and uh, Fahoko even playing some three tech. And um, that's something we've even seen Demarcus Lawrence do before. Uh, so depending on the rotation there, and, and also, you know, you've got. Parsons, who's, I mean, I, you know, I put him at linebacker officially because that's still what he's listed as. But mm-hmm. I mean, we know he's a defensive end at this point uh, in terms of practical use. And I also had Isaiah Land making the roster um, as a pass rusher. So, I mean, with you can't, I, 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 I that's where I'm so prepared to be wrong. Like, if I'm going to be wrong somewhere, it's probably in that defensive line. And they end up keeping one of Bohanna or Gallimore just so they have a little more beef in the in the rotation. Well, Jess, always great hanging out with you. We know George, if he is in Los Angeles, he'll be stuck in plenty of traffic. So he's gonna have plenty of time to listen to our thoughts on the latest quarterback turned offensive coordinator, Dak Prescott for the Cowboys. For all things Cowboys, follow Jess on Twitter, of course, at Cowboys Addicts, follow BTB at Blogging the Boys. Myself, Sean Martin is at Sean Martin NFL, and Mark Lane is at the real Mark Lane. Can't wait to get into the season. I say it all the time. Haven't done so recently, so let me throw it in there. Just, you know, what a great roster we have throughout BTB. It really motivates me to, uh, you know, be a part of this thing and feel like we're really making a difference in the lives of Cowboys fans who follow this team and we cut through the noise and especially on this show, that's kind of our thing and uh, give it to you in a way that's hopefully easy easy and enjoyable to uh, 
get you to the season so we get a bit of a lull again now you know what do we do just to pass the time between uh you know these 14 days until the giants game it's a little bit of a weird pause that we have now and then we got to wait all day for the game too since it's at night we need ideas for something to uh you know pass the time uh <laughs> yeah i'll just be writing and uh analyzing and uh making making some bets and Getting ready. Uh, I'm I'm dabbling into the world of uh, putting using those DraftKings bonuses and <laughs> different things for the first time. So that'll be interesting. Very much so. I uh, can't bet when I'm back home in Texas, but like I mentioned, off the top, I am back on the East Coast now. So maybe some potential to put some long-term plays out there, maybe put my money where my mouth is and uh, put something towards the Dak Prescott MVP. Uh, we'll see what that is at might be favorable as well. So until next week, follow us on X, follow us on Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Follow us at bloggingtheboys.com. Like I said, so many 53-man roster projections where you can see the different angles that this team can take between now and Tuesday afternoon when we know for sure who they're going to take into a very hyped-up, very exciting season opener against the Giants. And until then, there it is. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.